First Peter chapter one, verse 15, the Bible says this, it says, uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16 says, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. I want to teach this morning slash preach because that's usually what I end up doing when I'm, even when I'm doing Sunday school, amen. But, uh, but teach this morning on, on the, the topic of holiness, personal holiness in our life. And so just to take a, a break, I believe Pastor Bish was going through judges, I believe, amen. And judgment is part of holiness. It's part of holiness, but so is mercy. So is mercy as well. Um, Webster's defines holiness as this. Webster's uh, uh, dictionary defines it as exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness, both. Uh, see, at first glance, when you're reading through that definition, you see goodness and righteousness, and your mind just goes, goes okay, those are kind of the same thing, and you move on. But goodness is in response to others, how you treat others, how you... Are, are kind, and kindness always requires mercy. Goodness always requires mercy. You must be good in a bad situation. Giving someone what they deserve, well, that's not goodness. Goodness is giving to those who don't deserve or who are in a situation that is worse than your own. That's goodness, and that always requires mercy. So that tells me that God, if he is perfect in goodness, then he is perfect in mercy. But at the same time, righteousness Righteousness is your response to temptation, your response to, uh, uh, to wrongdoing, and that requires judgment. That requires making good choices. That requires wisdom. That requires, uh, uh, that, uh, that requires good judgment, meaning that God is both perfect in mercy and perfect in judgment. He knows exactly when and how to be merciful and exactly when and how to give judgment. And so he is holy, in that way, he is, he is perfect in, in, in both of those ways. And that can be hard for us to understand because it's very difficult, especially in this world that we live in, to be judgmental of anything and still be called holy, right? Or to be merciful of anything and not seem as though you are picking a side uh, when it comes to a, a, whatever the debate or the topic is because our world has become so uh, rifted and divided on seemingly every single topic. It seems like you can't say anything definitive anymore without having it uh, be uh, be uh, uh, dra- uh, dragged through the mud. Amen. But uh, but our God, He is perfect in both of those ways, and it's wonderful to serve a God who is. Amen. But He asks us to be holy, though to be holy as He is holy. A let's be, let's face it, an impossible task. But that doesn't, just because we face an impossible task does not give us the right to turn away from it or to not give it every effort that we possibly can, amen? Uh, Because it is a a defining characteristic of a Christian to be like Christ, (laughs) amen? Uh, That's what the word means, amen, or or little Christ, amen? so if you're, a, if you're a note taker, I'm not sure if you uh, uh, like to take notes, but I put together an outline here, and uh, I spent a good bit of time trying to get all these to be alliterated and such. I'm just trying to do Mr. Trelore proud this morning. He's a master alliterator, amen. Uh, but point number one, his holiness should cause us to realize his rights, to realize his rights. And yes, our God does have rights, uh, he, uh, letter A under that point, he has a right to be worshipped. He has a right to be worshipped. He is, uh, uh, by that very definition of, of, of holiness, worthy to be exalted 
and worthy of complete devotion. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> Psalm 18, verse number one. Psalm 18, verse number one. Psalm 18, verse number one says this. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Um, we're, so quick to, we're so quick to say God is worthy to be exalted for what he has done for us. And that's true. According, according to this verse, there's all these things that are listed here by David, all these wonderful things, God. But beyond that, he is worthy to be praised for who he is alone. And the honest to goodness truth is that if God had been perfectly just, uh, uh, just or given us not mercy, but judgment as we deserved, he would still be worthy of our praise. If he had said from the very beginning, you are doomed for hell, you have earned this humanity because of your sin. That is my judgment to you. He would still be worthy of our praise. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we automatically turn to, uh, uh, we love him because he first loved us. And that's true, but we needed him to love us in order to love him. He did not need us to love him in order to love us. And that's the difference between uh, uh, that's the difference between God and ourselves, Amen. And so He was He was worthy from the very beginning, regardless of what He has done for us. He is worthy of our praise, Amen. Um, uh, amen. Uh, uh, point uh, uh, B under that: uh, not only does He have a right to be worshipped, He has a right to be jealous. He has a right to be jealous. And this verse, Exodus thirty-four, verse thirteen. Exodus 34, verse 13. This verse always got me when I was a young person, uh, when I was a child especially, and, and someone would read through this verse and you would go, wait a minute, you can't be jealous. That's, we can't do that, right? Amen. Exodus 34, verse 13. God speaking to Moses here, but ye shall destroy their altars, break their images and cut down their groves. Amen. A grove is a, 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 a other places in the Bible call it a high place, a place where false gods were worshiped. Amen. For thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Uh, one of the names of God is jealous. Then you say, but jealousy is a sin. Not if you have a right to what you are jealous of. I have every single right to be jealous of my wife's affection and her attention, her care. I have every right because she and I have joined together in marriage. We have, uh, we have vowed to each other that we would not just be a part of each other's lives, that we would be, in God's eyes, the same flesh, that we would care for each other with the same kind of love that we have for ourselves. And... Um, and so I have every right that if I see her, you know, as, as, as some people in my life would say, giving eyes, all right, okay, to somebody else, I have every single right to be jealous in that situation. And God, the creator of all that is, and beyond that, the redeemer of your soul, if you are born again, you are, for ye are bought with a price, amen, has every right to be jealous of you and your affection and your time. 
and he has a right to be jealous uh, of that time, amen? Uh, it's, it's not wrong to be jealous of what you possess, amen? Um, and, and you and I today, we may not make molten images anymore. Hopefully no one has any molten images in their home. I'm hoping not any groves in the backyard, you know. Uh, and uh, anyhow, um, uh, but, but, uh, 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 but we may be worshiping at many altars, <coughs> excuse me, um, that we don't even realize. You're just going through your life and you're just enjoying your life and you may not even realize it, but, and this point has been hit on many, many times from behind this pulpit, but if you're spending more time with literally anything or anyone even, then you are with your uh, walk with the Lord, then your, your study of the word of God, then you're worshiping that thing. You're worshiping that person. You're worshiping that event. You're worshiping that activity. You're worshiping that uh, sports team, sports team. Uh, yesterday, I spent an unhealthy amount of time yesterday watching college football games that, that even ones that didn't matter, you know, like two and five teams playing one and 16. I'm watching the, I don't know why I do that. I, I, I really enjoy that. But if I'm not careful, I will exalt that above the Lord. I will exalt that above God in my life. And he has every right to be immediately and completely jealous of that situation. He has every right to do whatever it takes to get my attention and say, hey, dummy, I'm more important than those guys wearing bright colored, tight, stretchy pants out there, uh, you know, hitting each other. I'm way more important than that. And he has every right to that. And, and we need to learn not to kick against that when God uh, makes it known that he is jealous um, he is, his name is jealous. He deserves to be jealous. I mean, he has a right to be worshiped. He has a right to be jealous. And he has a right to be obeyed. Let her see on this point. He, he has a right to be obeyed. This is a hard one for us because, you know, deep down in our nature, we want to be the kings. We want to be the queens. We want to make the decisions. We want to be the ones in charge. And, and it is a life, to me, any, anyhow, I don't know if anybody else figured it out really quickly, but for me, it's been a lifetime of learning to yield to the Lord and learning to yield to him in, in response to my own nature. Amen. Acts chapter five, verse 29. Acts chapter five, verse 29. <coughs> Acts chapter five, verse 29. The Bible says, says this, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. So is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to, to them that obey him. And Peter, obviously uh, 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 answering here, who, who should we obey? Who should we, we ought to obey God rather than man in response to what if man asks you to do something that, 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 that God told you not to? What if man tells you not to do that God some, told you to do something? We ought to obey God rather than man, amen? Because he is holy, because he is worthy of that obedience. And we are not on a level playing field with God. And I'm not sure if it's a Hollywood depiction of God maybe that, that creeps into our minds. I'm not sure what it is, but sometimes I feel like we don't have a proper understanding of who God is. Because you and I, are, we are not the same. We are not on the same footing. We are not on level ground when it comes to God. He, you cannot, don't make deals with God. The deal is this. 
you're, you, are, you don't deserve a single second of life, let alone what he's given you here on this earth. The deal is this, you're not worthy to be used in his service, yet he asks you to be a part of it. The deal is this, you don't deserve to see heaven, let alone live there for eternity, and he wants you there. That's the deal. That's the deal, amen? Uh, uh, don't, don't make deals with God when it comes to, uh, uh, he is worthy to be obeyed right off the bat. No deals required, amen? Um, uh, my youth pastor used to say this. Uh, he would say, he's God, you're not, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> that's what he would say. And, uh, uh, and that's just stuck into my, you know, that's just stuck in my brain all the time. And it's a good way of looking at it because at the end of the day, you can, you can try to reason and justify and, and make excuses, but at the end of the day, you're a human being and he's God and he just for that simple fact is worthy to be obeyed. Not for anything he, he might do for you. All right, God, I'll serve you if you bless me. God, I'll serve you if you allow me to see great fruit in my life. He might call you to uh, work in a field for 40, 50 years. He might call you to witness for, for the sole purpose of reaching one soul. That might be your reward. That might be the, the one thing, that the, the, the one fruit that God, maybe none. Maybe all you're there to do is to plant seeds so that others can see the increase. Doesn't matter. He's God, you're not. Suck it up, buttercup. Uh, and, and just me saying that though, I promise some of you said, hmm, I don't like that. I don't like that. Oh, that's kind of the point. That's that nature that immediately rears its head up and says, what did he say to me? <laughs> what, what did he say? Uh, 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 God is on the throne, whether you like it or not, whether you choose it or not, whether you, you, it'll always be that way too. So the Christian who figures it out the fastest, that if I get in line with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if I get in line with him and do as he says, I'll have a fruitful and a peaceful and a joyful life. If I'll do that, amen? He has a right to be obeyed just simply, again, for who he is, amen? Um, so his, his holiness should cause us to realize his rights. His holiness should also cause us to run to repentance, to run to repentance, amen? And point number eight, uh, underneath, apologize with speed. Apologize with speed. First Thessalonians 5, 17. First Thessalonians 5, 17. If we have a proper understanding of God's holiness, then we are gonna take our own holiness very seriously. If we don't, it's those that don't understand what, uh, what God's holiness is that will take their own uh, holiness just very flippantly and, and, and very loosely. Uh, we ought to be very, uh, the word that doesn't get used a lot anymore, strict when it comes to our own, our own personal righteousness, our own personal account with the Lord. And not just that, but, but uh, uh, strict in, in the areas that we have authority in our lives. We should also be strict when it comes to taking repentance seriously. God takes sin seriously. So why don't we? Why don't we treat it with the same kind of care that he does? Amen. First um, uh, Thessalonians 5.17 very common verses here. I'm gonna read through 19. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in, in, in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Pray without ceasing, quench not the spirit. Those verses go hand in hand. Was pray without ceasing. I, do I just pray literally all day? Am I no good to anybody else because the whole time I'm just praying to God? No, 
I've, I've preached about this many times before. Keep the line open. Keep God a part of your day. Let him uh, uh, walk with him as you go throughout your day. Be ready at a moment's notice to stop what you're doing and ask him for help. To stop what you're doing and give him thanks, as verse 18 says. Amen? Uh, all those things. But you're not going to have that open line of communication if verse 19 isn't followed. Quench not the spirit. I cannot tell you how many times. Now, listen, I've failed in this often, a lot. But I cannot tell you how many times I've done something, said something, did something, even thought something, and immediately the Holy Spirit was on me. You know that's not right. You, you know that you should not have done that. You apologize not just to the person that you're talking to right now, but me now, <laughs> all right? And it's an immediate, just a, uh, the Bible calls it a prick, right? An immediate, just a piercing there of the heart. And and you stop and, and, and you say, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to a person and I've said something and, I, and then, I, and then the, the Lord got a hold of my heart and immediately I'll say, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. We should not be talking about this or this person or this situation. It's not my place to judge this. It's not yours. And I should not have shared that with you. I should not have. And I apologize. I'm very sorry. If I've caused you to stumble in any way right now, I'm so sorry. This is a good person we're talking about here. And this is none of our business. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Anybody ever been there before? Anybody? All right. Because uh, there's that temptation. You got to share. You got to share the, the story you have. You got to share the thing that you have. Amen. And, uh, uh, and, and so God gets a hold of my heart and I meet the apologize the person. And the second that we're away, Lord, I am so sorry. God, please, please forgive me. Quench not the spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God is like a dove. Amen. It's like a dove. Uh, you ever tried to approach a dove before? It's not happening. All right. Uh, you know, uh, that, that dove, uh, if, if you want that dove to be a part, you got to sit still. You've got to do, you, you've got to, you know, you cannot act in a, in a, um, what's, what's the word, a rowdy manner, right? Amen. And so the, the Christian that will take time and as they're going throughout their day, be aware, take it slow, think about the things that you have done, be ready to apologize. Let God know that you are serious about sin because you are quick to apologize, Amen. So apologize with speed. Let her be. Take accountability seriously. Accountability. This is something that uh, we as Christians, again, don't like talking about because my sin's my business and nobody else's. I don't want anybody to know what's going on in my life and that's the end of it. All right? And we keep everything uh, uh, swept under the rug, everything hidden. Amen. But James 5.16, James 5.16, I'm going to read it as you're turning there. James 5.16 says this, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. First part of the verse telling you, hey, you know what? Sometimes you're gonna need to get somebody involved. Sometimes you're gonna need to say to somebody, I'm struggling with something. And I've prayed and asked the Lord for help, and I know that he will, but the book of James commands me that if I'm struggling, I'm I need help. I need, I need some wisdom. I need some prayer. I need somebody to know that there's something going on because I want, I want to take this seriously. I want God to know that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to overcome this struggle in my life. Amen? And you say all the time, every time, wisdom is involved. Wisdom is involved in this. Amen? Uh, foolish for me to say, go just walk around and let everybody know what an awful person you Wisdom is involved because the second half of that verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There must be prayer. You must involve the Lord. There must be wisdom in who and how you share with, uh, things with. But there have been things in my own life that I needed 
I needed help. I needed good, godly counsel. I needed somebody to be in my corner, amen, uh, helping me. And, and this verse is, 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 is giving us a commandment. Confess your faults one for another and pray for one another. Amen? So somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I need some accountability in my life and I know that you love me and I know that you care about me and this is what's going on in my life and I'm struggling with this. Will you pray for me? Take that seriously. Amen? Take that seriously. Uh, sure, I'll pray for you and then forget all about it. Amen? Um, there's a commandment not just to not just to get help, but also for those who, are, uh, who have sought help, pray one for another. That's a commandment there. When somebody brings something to you, you ought to do that, amen, and it, w- it will help. Um, uh, that's, this is an opportunity for us to let God know that, that we're, we're serious. This altar down here, this altar is a form of that. It's not necessarily you coming forward and again, uh, you know, waving your hand and saying, I'm struggling with what the pastor preached about this morning. No, it's not that, but it's saying, it's in a form of account of God, I'm serious about this. I don't care who looks down here and thinks that. I'm not worried about that. It's a form of accountability, not just, not just to the others in the church, but to God himself saying, God, I'm serious about overcoming this in my life. I'm so serious that I don't mind what anybody else thinks about me. All I care about is my standing with you. God loves that. He loves that. Amen. Um, and so uh, uh, don't forget that. Uh, amen. Uh, so apologize with speed. Take accountability seriously. And then let her see. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your surroundings. Ephesians uh, 5 verse 15. Ephesians 5 verse 15. It's one of my favorite verses. I always, whenever I get to this verse, I always end up stopping and just reading it and reading the verses around it several times. I just love this passage here. But Ephesians 5 verse, uh, verse 15 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Um, circumspectly, a, a, a wonderful preacher from the South, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, um, but gave this illustration, a, a big time deer hunter. And they're all huge big-time deer hunters. I worked at a school, a Christian school in Mississippi uh, for about two and a half years before we moved here, and it was such a culture shock to see that the, so in, in the months of, you know, in the, in the upcoming months of deer season coming up here, seventh through 12th graders, girls, guys, doesn't matter, all of them bringing in their shotguns and, and turning them into the school office. Here's my box of shells, here's my, and they literally have a gun rack mounted behind the the check-in desk at the school and they just put them all up there. You got pink guns and, and you, know, and you got, you got, anyways, because after school, they're all going to jump in their dad's pickup truck and go hunting with him after school. And, the, and anyways, or some of them, there was literally a patch of, of woods across the street from our church that was just free game, I guess. I guess there was a good relationship with the man who owned that property. And a bunch of our teenagers would just walk across the take their, take their hoodies off, Go over to the, you know, go over to mom and dad's car, take out a hunting vest, flip it over the orange side, put it on, and away they go across the street into the woods, and you're just watching going, what is happening? All right? Um, you know, uh, uh, just one, you know, that was, that was weird. That was weird. A weird uh, culture shock, but they, 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 they love it there. That's just a part of life. That's just, you know, they just grow up, and I never got into it. Uh, the handful of times that I went, it was freezing cold. You know, I got numb fingers. I'm sitting 10, 12 feet off the ground in a, in a deer blind for 8, 10 hours as a 13-year-old kid. I, I'm just barely holding on to the, you know, to the 
20-gauge shotgun that my dad, you know, probably wouldn't have even killed the deer if I'd hit it anyways, uh, you know, kind of thing. And, and the three or four times that I went, I never saw a thing. I didn't even saw, see a rabbit or a, I saw nothing. Nothing moved, no noises, nothing. And, and my dad was, you know, and come down and how'd it go? It didn't. It didn't go. It didn't go anywhere. I just sat, you know. Well, bring a book with you next time. Like, my hands are shaking. I can't even, I can't feel my fingers to flip the paper. You know, how could, horrible. <laughs> it's a, I don't understand. Maybe I missed the point. Maybe I didn't do it very well. I was probably being really noisy. I thought I was being quiet, but amen. But, uh, 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 but, but the, the illustration that this man gave, walk circumspectly, you, you'll have the situation where a deer will be approaching and just out of your range, but you watch this mama deer and you watch the fawns that it has and the mama deer is, is head up, look in every direction, take another step, take two steps, put her, uh, put her head back like this, stop the fawns, look back up, look around, listen, take two more steps. And especially when they're crossing an open field, pay attention to how slow and how methodical and how careful they are as they move across that field because any, any twig snap, any, any sound, anything at all, anything they don't like and they're gone, they're out of there. Amen? That's how we're supposed to walk as Christians. That's how careful we're supposed to let God know, God, well, I'm so serious about my sin that I'm going to Amen, that I'm going to be aware of my surroundings. If you know that you struggle with a particular sin, stay out of the situations that allow you to commit that sin. Why are you putting yourself in the, in the well, you know, I, I've got to for blank, or, or I, uh, I uh, you know, um, why is this? I don't know why this is. I'm sure it has something to do with how much money they're willing to pay, but Walmart, I walk through Walmart right now, and all it seems that they're playing is songs I know. I'm like, can you please play something from now? Because I have no clue what's going on in the world of, uh, of all that stuff. Now, can you please play something? They're always playing something, and I just know. I just know, you know. And A, I'm sure from a, from a, from a logical standpoint, Walmart doesn't want to pay a bunch of money for all the new current whatever stuff, and they want to be able to play the music. And I get that, but I just know there's a devil sitting back going, come on, come on, I know you like it. I know you like it, Huh? And you, you, I got to be aware of my surroundings because before you know it, I might be humming or singing along to this song and it's not because I'm purposely choosing to, but it's because of a song I know or a song I've heard or a song I used to like. Be aware, walk circumspectly. Be as that paying attention to that and saying, no, I'm not giving into that. I'm not giving into that, that temptation. Amen? So his, his uh, holiness, it ought to cause us to realize his rights Amen. His holiness ought to cause us to run to repentance. His holiness, point number three, ought to cause us to rejoice in our relationship. It ought to cause us to rejoice in our relationship because all I've listed so far are all of the hurdles that you have to jump in order to uh, appease God's judgment. But at the end of the day, even if you don't clear those hurdles, you have a relationship with God. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that you have a, a relationship with him, anything at all. Amen. But not just any relationship, you are a child of God. Amen. Yeah. Uh, point number A, uh, uh, rejoice in his plans for us. Rejoice in his plans for us. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Jeremiah 1, 5. You know, I know I'm having you turn to a lot of scripture, but I like to have a lot of scripture in there. I don't, I don't want it to be anything I, I'm thinking of. Something from the word of God. Amen. Jeremiah chapter one, verse number five says this. 
Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, obviously, this verse isn't specifically addressed to you, whoever's listening here. And yet, we believe that everything in the Bible was written for a purpose and for a reason. And there's something in there for everybody. And I believe that if God formed and planned for one person, he has formed and planned for all people. Amen? This verse applies to you. Uh, uh, you know, if you want to insert your own name there, kind of a verse into all the places where it says thee and thou, amen. That verse is true. Before, before you were even born, before you even conceived to be born, God knew you, God had a plan for you and a purpose for you. Rejoice in that, uh, that, that God, that, God uh, that you're not a number, that you're not a, uh, you know, each and every uh, creation of God is special to him. And we use this verse a lot. I uh, used it this uh, two weeks ago uh, in, uh, uh, in our Bible class uh, at school talking about, uh, it was a pretty deep topic that we got into. We were talking about abortion. And uh, we were going through that, and we, we used this verse to talk about that. And uh, uh, beyond, beyond just, and it is a great verse to defend against abortion. Hey, listen, bef- before you were even conceived, God knew what life you would have. God knew what, and so uh, uh, you are a, a, a sacred, amen, you are a sacred and a special, and what was that outline? Oh, boys in the back uh, might need to help me, amen, but, um, but you had a specific beginning, too. You had, uh, you, God knew from the very beginning what, what you would be. And so uh, uh, your beginning has been planned. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Same book of the Bible, other side of the book of, Bible, of the book of the Bible, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11, says this. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an, ex- an expected end. Now here's your end. God said, the be- your beginning and your end thoroughly planned. Every single path that you're going to take in your life, I know exactly what you're going to do, what you're going to choose. I know exactly who you're going to be and what you're going to do. And he's not worried about it. And he has, he has a plan for you. Rejoice in that. Every person he has a plan for. There'll never be a time in your life where you go, God, I need your help. I found myself in this terrible situation. And God will look over and go, how did you get all the way over there? Oh my goodness, I took my eyes off from you for a second. And you're, you've got to be kidding me. All right. I cannot tell you how many times, I have a three-year-old boy at home, and I cannot tell you how many times he's been sweet and good, and are you coloring on the walls? <laughs> and, and it seems like, you know, it seems like a second. Now, I know for a fact that I was distracted for six, seven minutes, all right, but what it feels like is a second, it feels like you just look up and, oh my goodness, that will never happen with God. And he's doing that with billions of people all over the earth. He knows exactly where you are, exactly where you'll be tomorrow, and he's not worried about it. He has plans for you, and you can rejoice in that fact. Rejoice in that whatever comes along in your life, it's planned. It's purposed. There's a reason for it. Amen? And uh, I, I would, I personally, I would not want to serve a God that I fully understood. That I, fully, I, I want more than anything. God, show me exactly what the next fill-in-the-blank years of my life are. Amen? If the, if the Lord should be uh, merciful and give me, you know, the, the two score and 10, as the Bible uh, uh, describes, uh, 70 years on this earth, if he should be merciful, God, what's the, what, what, what are the, what's the second half of my life look like, Lord? Uh, um, what, what, is, what does that look like? Amen? Show me every path. Show me everything. And if he did that, I think I would suddenly be less mesmerized by God. I, I think I would 
okay, thanks God, thanks for showing that for me. Oh, it looks like everything is gonna turn out okay. I don't need you. I've got this. Why didn't you just show me that from the beginning? Amen. God wants you to rely on him. God wants you to trust him, amen? And so rejoice. Don't be fearful in his plans, but rejoice in his plans for us. If a perfectly holy God is the one doing the planning, we're gonna be okay, amen? So rejoice in his plans for us. Rejoice, let her be, rejoice in his patience with us. Rejoice in his patience with us. Uh, Lamentations chapter three and verse 22, if you would please. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22. No deep thoughts, no new thoughts, but these are just things that I know that the Lord has put on my heart to teach this morning. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22. Rejoice in his patience with us. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. Well, there's two, there's actually two parts to this verse. I, I, while I was reading this, I, I, you know, I was like, uh, you know, rejoice in his patience. He's patient with us. What verses can I turn to? And I, this is the one that popped in my head. His mercies are new. He's very patient with us. He's very, and I'm reading through this verse and I get down to verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. His patience actually goes both ways. He is patient with those that are evil towards him, but he is good to those who are patient with him. When, when he, is, he is patient with you when you are uh, uh, wrongdoing. He's long-suffering, the Bible says, uh, 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 toward us. Uh, when we are disobeying, when we are not, not doing what is right, he is patient with us, but also there are some times where God says, okay, now I want you to be patient with me. He's not doing anything wrong towards us, but he's saying, pause, hold on a second. It's not the right time for this yet, or this isn't the right situation yet. I know this is something you really want. I can see it in your heart. I see that. Wait, <laughs> be patient, amen? Uh, not just in his patience with us, but that, but that he is good to those who are patient with him. And I, 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 I I don't know. Maybe that doesn't fascinate you at all, but that just kind of caught my attention there. That it, within the same verse there of talking about patience, he's saying there are gonna be some situations. I'm not doing anything wrong towards you, but I, I'm gonna need you to be patient. Rejoice in his patience with us, amen? And my last point uh, this morning, for you let her see under his holiness should cause us to rejoice in our relationship. Let her see rejoice in his passion Toward, toward us. I was gonna use the word proclivity, but then I was gonna to have to explain that word. I was trying to think of a word that meant, uh, he loves us, he loves us, rejoice in that. Baffling, My, it seems like every sermon or lesson that I ever make comes back to this point, and it is not because I'm trying to, uh, to uh, beat a dead horse, it's not because I'm trying to you know, say the same things over and over again, but at the end of the day, it's baffling, isn't it? You look at his holiness, you look at him, he's perfectly merciful, perfectly, perfect in judgment, and he looks at a creature who is not even close in either and says, I love you and I want you and I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of my existence. I want you to dwell with me forever. Baffling, confusing, it makes no sense. Romans 5, verse 6, Romans 5, verse 6. I'm gonna read down through verse number 11 of Romans chapter five. I'm sure that many of us have it memorized. 
Romans chapter five, verse number six says this, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And Brother Ramos had no idea what I was teaching this morning, but he could not have picked a better song for us to sing uh, this morning. When we, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus Nazarene, his holiness. We stand there and we go, wow, what a God. What a God that we have and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. I don't think there's a better song in the whole hymn book uh, that he could have picked that has the better opening lines than what I wanted to, uh, to talk about this morning. How, Christian, how does that not drive you? How does that not inspire you? How, if you've got the same thing that I've got, if you've got the same kind of, 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 of love for God burning in your heart, you've got that same kind of, of appreciation for what he has done for us, if you have that same kind of wonder that our song that we sang this morning is talking about, how are you not taking your sins seriously? How have, you, how have you gotten to the place where you have like almost like an assembly line uh, sometimes of constant and consistent sin without ever addressing it or noticing it or doing anything about it? We're continually choosing ourselves over him and simply for who he is, not just for what he's done for us, but for who he is. He is worthy for us to knock it off, <laughs> amen? Uh, uh, you know, because, because we've gotten to the place where, and I don't know if it's, I think it's the world that we live in today. There are big issues going on in our world. Things that preachers all across the country are getting more and more afraid to call out and, 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 and say what it is because I, I believe that there is a, a, a day of, I don't want to use the word judgment, but there's, there is a day of persecution ahead. There is. And those are big issues. But how, where have we gotten to as Christians where those are the only issues we want to talk about or address or make sure are not a part of our lives? Why are we not treating every single issue with that same level of care? Do you not understand how holy your God is? Do you not understand how perfect he desires you to be? And that's, that's the, the underlining uh, thought of the lesson this morning. If his love for us does not drive you to love him more, to, do, to, to uh, uh, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, amen, as the Bible says, um, uh, uh, it's not good enough just to make sure that you're generally clean. Get down into the, you know, get that brush under the fingernails kind of, kind of a thing. Uh, that ought to be the, the way that we got I know I can't be holy. I know that it's impossible, but God, I'm going to do literally everything in my power to ensure that I'm as clean as possible. I'm as holy as I possibly can be to please you as my perfect, holy God. Amen. That ought to be our prayer this morning. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you for the